Uh, I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible this morning, you're going to need one. So Chris has got some of those ready. He's got them bookmarked with Ephesians. If you need a Bible, just hold your hand up. Uh, we'll give that Bible to you. Uh, anybody need one this morning? You're going to need to have one open. I won't have all the scriptures up on the screen from Ephesians. Uh, so if you can just grab hold of one of those when you want to hear in the front. Anybody else need a Bible? Anybody else? All right, uh, if, you, if you need one, just hold your hand up. These ushers will make sure they come to you and get you taken care of, all right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1, let's read it together. It says this, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Now let me stop right there for a minute. Anytime you see in the Bible the word therefore, you need to go back and look what it's therefore, right? Um, and so this is a concluding statement. He's been talking to us in, in chapter 4 about how the gifts were given to the church so that we could equip the saints for the, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, how we all need to come into the unity of the faith, how we need to be working together, loving together, and when every joint of the body supplies what it's supposed to supply, it will build up and edify itself in love. I really do believe that about our church. If we ever understand what it means to become the, the, the man of Christ on this earth, do you realize that the Jesus that people are going to see, hopefully is not just in a picture with long, long hair, you know, holding his hand in whatever way, you know, hopefully they're going to see a Jesus that's alive. Jesus is alive today. He's alive in you. The Jesus that people are going to see is the Jesus in you, the Jesus in me. But even more importantly, when we come together and we function together, we, 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 we make the full picture the perfect man of Christ. So that's what Paul's been talking about. If we're going to unleash on this world, we have to not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We've got to take care of each other. We've got to learn to love each other. And then he says, now therefore, therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children of God. Be imitators of God. What does that mean? You know, we've been talking a lot about children this morning. And, you know, children are always watching, aren't they? Uh, sometimes that's really a blessing when kids are watching. And sometimes it's a nightmare, right? Uh, like sometimes they're really endearing the things that they do. Like I don't know if you guys have seen the picture of the guy and he's he's cutting the grass and along behind him is the the little boy and he's got the fake lawnmower you know and he's going behind. That's really endearing, isn't it? It's really endearing. But see, there's sometimes when Johnny, although he was cutting the grass, he might go to Sunday school and drop an f bomb, and you're like, that's a nightmare, right? Because you're you know you go and you're like Johnny, where did you hear that word? I don't know, right? It can be a nightmare. The kids, you, you, some of you are getting the joke. Some of you, um, it, it can be a nightmare, right? Another endearing thing, you know, like you, I got this little phone here, right? So, you know, you've got little, little, little girls, they, they want to be like mama, you know, and it's endearing. They've got their little phones, they're talking on their little phones, you know, and, and how sweet that is until, until you're in church and the little girl walks up and says, well, my mommy says that you're a two-faced right? Nightmare. Kids are watching. Listen, kids are watching. You know what I found? Adults are watching too. Sometimes we, we don't know what we're doing. We don't, know, we don't know how to figure out life. And so we need a, a role model. How many of you guys 
have a role model in your life. There's somebody that you look to and say, man, I'm trying to emulate, I'm trying to imitate, I'm trying to be like this person. How many of you guys have somebody like that in your life? Most people do. If you don't, you should, in all honesty. You should have somebody like that. But the Bible tells us this, therefore be imitators of God. That's a, those are big shoes to fill, right? Now he's told us already that this is not about you individually, this is about us. And I think it's important that we remember that. We remember that it's not just about you and and what you're trying to accomplish. Because truthfully, you don't have enough, enough gifts, talents, abilities, and skills to be a full Jesus to somebody. You need the rest of the body to do that. But as we come together, we can be imitators of God. I'll I'll be honest with you, this message that I'm bringing you this morning is probably one of the closest to my heart. Because this is Paul, a pastor, as he's talking to this church in Ephesus that he started, I can relate so much with what he's saying, trying to get them to understand how they need to imitate who God is and what God is. You know, as I, as I think about my, my own life and I think about uh, following after, after the Lord, I remember when my daughters were growing up. And as they were growing up, they started to introduce some vocabulary that I was not comfortable with. And so Kim and I set the girls down, and here's the, here's the rule that we made with them. And I, and I, I, want, this, uh, I want this to sink in. I sat my girls down. I said, girls, listen, this is what I want from you. Here, here's the rules. Anything that you hear me say, you can say. Isn't that the way that it's supposed to be? Isn't that the way that it's supposed to function? You see, I'm not one of those parents who says, um, uh, you know, do what I say, not what I do. And there's a lot of parents like that. Well, you know, you're too young for that. Listen, what if we were to train up the kids and just say, follow me. Do what I do. Do exactly what I do. Could you say that to your kids? Would you feel confident that you're going to raise them up and, and build them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because they're able to look at you and you emulate Christ to them? That it's not hard for them to follow after Jesus because they're following you and you're following Jesus. You see, I'm so glad that we have a God who says, listen, I do what I say, therefore do what I say. Amen? Amen? That's the God that we serve. God doesn't sit up there and say, well, I'm not going to do anything. No, God says, listen, I want you to be merciful. You know why? Because I'm merciful. I want you to give. You know why? Because I'm a giver. I I, I want you to, to, to have grace on people. You know why? For I give grace. And that's what he says. We need to be imitators of God. That word imitate, it it comes from the Greek word to mimic. Uh, That's actually the Greek word. Uh, Mimics, I think, is the actual Greek word. Well, we know where that comes from, right? We we know, we understand mimic. And this is just another form of that, just being an imitator. That means do what God does. I'll tell you, one of the hardest things as a pastor, there's not supposed to be a difference between my devotion and commitment and your devotion and commitment. Thank you, Kim. Appreciate that. I'm going to say it again. There's not supposed to be a difference between my devotion and commitment to the Lord and your devotion and commitment to the Lord. Now, it, there's different gifts. There's different talents. I'm not saying that you should do everything that I should do because you don't have some of the giftings that I have. You guys can do some things that I don't have. Please don't put me in the children's ministry that is not a gifting of mine, but I can show you somebody with that gift, but that's not me, right? Um, 
So everybody has different giftings, and we need all of those individuals. But listen, my devotion should not be any less than your devotion. My passion to the Lord should not be any less than your passion for the Lord. The command that the Lord gives me is not to tell you what to do, but to show you what to do, to be an example to the flock. And that's exactly what I do. Man, listen, with all the years of ministry that I've had, let me tell you one of the hardest things for a pastor and for a pastor's wife is to continually pour into people and show the example of what Christ is supposed to be, to give counsel after counsel and hour after hour, week after week, year after year, as you pour into people and you say, follow me as I follow Christ, here's what's going to change your life. And for people to say, man, that sounds great, thank you so much, and they go right back and they do exactly what they were doing before. Listen, when do we get the passion in our hearts that we're going to become imitators of God to this world? And if we're not going to do that, if we're not going to do that, what makes you think that we're going to draw a lost world to something that they say is a facade or is fake? I want them to come and say, you know what? Those individuals are godly. They're like God. Like when, when I talk to them, I feel like I'm talking to Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Do you know you can be that mouthpiece? You have the exact same word of God that I have. If I want to speak the words of Christ, it's going to come from God's word. The passion should be the same. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children of God. That's what we've got to do. I love this passage too. Um, I, I'll, uh, I don't know if I put this on the screen or not. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Um, it, it, it's just Paul talking to another church. And, um, and he says, let me just pull it up real quick. It's very simple. He just says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So here's the thing. Maybe you don't know how to follow Christ yet. Maybe you're new to this game. Maybe you, you, you've not come in. You've come from the world or whatever. Um, you know, some of these boys that, that were hanging around me today... It's a little bit exhausting. I'll be honest with you. Because they're young. They've got tons of energy. They want to help. That's a good thing and a not good thing. You know what I mean? It's like they're all over the place. They, they want to help and they're doing all kinds of things, right? And you're like, no, don't help me with that yet. Oh, no, don't help me with that. Just stay here with me. Do what I do. It'll be all right, right? Sometimes Christians come in and we're just like those children. We're like, we're all over the place. We know we're supposed to be doing something. We want to help. We want to, and we're so eager to do that. But we've got a zeal for God, not according to knowledge, when you might just need to settle in, find a mentor and say, follow me as I follow Christ, let me help you with that. That's exactly what Paul was doing. Paul just came along. He said, listen, I get that you don't know how to imitate God at this point. I don't have a problem with that. Just follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. You're going to do just fine. Why? Because my ways are in Christ. So if you follow me, then you will be, listen to me, you will be following Christ. Now, the sad thing for me is, is that in the world we live in today, sometimes the churches get so massive, they get so big, that people don't talk to the pastor anymore. The pastor's not necessarily the example to the flock any longer. But listen, the blessing for us is, is that here we are, man, we're all together. Last night, most of you were at my house. And the house looks like you were there last night. 
right? I mean, that's it, but it's fine. You know why? Listen, do what I do. Pastor Bill has people over to his house. Do you realize that's on purpose, right? That's on purpose. And it's not just because I like to play cornhole. I want you around me. I want you around my wife. I want you to see how I interact with people. I want you to see how I interact with you. Follow me as I follow Christ. And what's going to end up happening is, is that you'll begin to follow Christ. And then you're going to say to somebody else, follow me as I follow Christ. And all of a sudden what happens is we, we become imitators of God and we become godly we become godly now in the past that word has meant the certain clothes that you wear the way that you dress whether you have tattoos or not and all that kind of stuff that's not godly that's not godly godly is your character it's the way that you walk in this world can you hold your head up high because your conscience is clear between god and men When we met together on Tuesday night, I told the men, I said, listen, this journey that we're on is not an easy journey. This is where you see the separation of the men and the boys. This is where real men step up. Those that follow Christ, even when it's hard. Because listen, if you've not figured it out yet, being an imitator of God is not always easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have to make hard choices. Sometimes you have to make hard decisions. Sometimes you have to stand by yourself when nobody else will stand. And that's why we get relief when we come to church because all of a sudden you've got brothers and sisters that say, no, wait a minute, you're not alone. You're not alone in your workplace. When you're there, I'm praying for you. Listen, I got a call this morning from my brother, and he said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. He said, I just want you to know that I dropped some spiritual bombs on you this morning. Can you feel it? He said, I'm with you. And you know why he did that? He wants me to know that I'm standing here, and as I'm preaching and we're starting this new church, that there's a whole other church over on 41 who's been praying for us, and they love us, and they care about us. And he's simply telling me, you're not alone. Follow Christ. Follow him hard. And listen, sometimes you guys need that same thing in your work. You need somebody to say, hey, listen, they send you a text and say, I dropped some spiritual bombs on you today. Do you feel it? You're not alone. I'm here with you. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Before I move on from verse number one, I love what it says there when it says beloved children. Then you go into verse number two, and verse number two says, uh, let me get back to my get back to my passage. He says, it says, and walk in love, right? So as beloved children, we need to walk in love. Now, here, here's an interesting thing about that. Belo- that word beloved is agapos. That might sound familiar. One of the words for love in the Bible is agape. Anybody know what that means? It's unconditional, right? Unconditional love. Okay, so here's what God is saying, because agapos is the adjective of agape, right? So what he's saying is, is that as unconditionally loved kids, you need to love like that. You need to love unconditionally. You have been unconditionally loved, therefore, unconditionally love. So the very first thing, there's three things that we're going to see in this passage this morning that, that are going to help us to understand how to, to, to emulate or imitate God. The first one is to walk in love. The second one is to walk in light. And the third one is to walk in wisdom. And when we do all this walking, hopefully our walk will change, right? So let's walk in love for a second. 
As we look here in verse number two, it says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, uh, a, 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 a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this love that he's talking about is a sacrifice type of a love, right? Now, I want you to take your Bibles. If you've got Ephesians there, hold your place in Ephesians, and I want you to turn back to, toward the end of the Bible to 1 John. Find 1 John. So you'll find a 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John all together, right? And it comes before Revelation. So if you'll find 1 John, and I want you to pick that out real quick. Let's talk about love. We're going to walk in love because God is love. And I want you to find 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 4, and look down at verse number 7. We used to sing the song when I, was in, uh, when I was in middle school. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Very simply, we're not just supposed to love, we're supposed to be love. God is love. God just doesn't exude love. He doesn't just share love. He is love. And so listen what he says here. Yes. Oh, that's a good question. I'll have to look. I don't have my lexicon in front of me. All right. I, no, I'll look that up though. The question was for the, you guys listening on, on the, online is, uh, is this the same um, is this the same love that's mentioned here, the same agapos love? And I'll have to look that up and see. Uh, but God is love. So here's what I want you to, to grab from this thing. He, he says, let me read it again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You, listen, do you know the reason why people struggle sometimes to really love? And, and they've got that inherent selfishness. I don't know if you know this or not, but everybody has that. Everybody starts out being selfish. Everybody starts out with, with being more concerned about themselves than they are with others. So listen, what happens is, is that when you receive unconditional love into your life, it's hard for you not to share then unconditional love. Because you know God. And knowing what you were saved from. How many of you guys were wrecked by that last song? What was the name of that last song, Josh, that we sang? Death Arrested. Death arrested. How many of you guys were wrecked by that song? Come on, man. That's that unconditional love that Jesus has given to us as he was placed upon a sinner's cross, not for his own sin, for he had no sin, but for my sin and for your sin. And he was the savior then of the world and is still is the savior today. Man. And so God says this, if you've met me, if you've sat in my living room, if you've hung out with me, if you've shared with me, you're going to love different. You're going to love like I love. You're going to love unconditionally. Now listen, and I, I, I don't want to stick, skip over this part because sacrifice, love equals sacrifice, right? So some of you guys have never had somebody truly love you, where they have sacrificed for you, where they've done for you. Uh, too many homes, all we know is that dad bolted, mom bolted. I don't know what they did, but they didn't show me that unconditional love that I was supposed to have. And listen, God says, I can give you all that you need if you will come unto me. All ye that are weak and weary, I will give you rest. Come to me, let me love you the way that you should have been loved in the first place. Listen, maybe your mom and dad didn't know love. Maybe they didn't know God. 
But that doesn't mean you can't. You can know God today. You want to be changed? You want to be different? I'm telling you, it's not, it's not because you're going to turn over a new leaf. It's because you're going to meet God. It's because God's going to come into your life. God's going to change your heart. But listen, that's something that you have to receive. The Bible says, to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. You have to receive that message. You can be standoffish. You can be selfish. You can say, I'm going to run my own life. I'm not going to imitate God. I'm going I'm, I'm to imitate my own self. I'm, I'm going to imitate somebody else. I'm telling you, you're imitating somebody. And probably if you've not switched fathers... You're probably imitating your father. Now to some of you that might be an okay thing. Some of you it's not. But there is a father. Who loves you. Unconditionally. And he says come unto him. And I will give you rest. This is what Jesus has done for us. He sacrificed for us. If we're going to love people. If we're going to imitate God. You know what, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sacrifice for people. Some of you guys were here early this morning. I think, I think about Marianne. She was here at what time? 7.30 this morning? 7.30. Four kids? Three kids. She's got three kids. Got them up by herself this morning. Got here at 7.30 so you could have this. It makes me want to cry. I'm not kidding because she sacrifices for you. She gives for you. Let me tell you why that is. It's not because she loves getting up at 7.30 in the morning and taking care of kids. I'll tell you that right now. It's because she understands that God has loved her unconditionally. And now she gives. She gives unconditionally. I, th I, th I just think it's worthy of praise. I know I'm putting you on the spot, Marianne, but I, I think it's worthy of praise. I think it's worthy of note when people imitate God. When they do what God does. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. When the times got tough, when it got hard, when the cross was required, Jesus still came. He still gave because he loves. Love requires sacrifice. Man, if we're going to imitate God, we've got to get over our selfishness. This is not about me. This, this work is not about me. This life is not about me. You need to give of yourself for others, that others might have this same love. You know, I really wonder sometimes if we understand this love. I really, under, I really do. I, I wonder if, if you've really experienced it, if you've really fallen in love with God the way God has fallen in love with you. To be imitators of God. Look down at verse number 10 of that same passage, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. It says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God. Listen, we didn't, we didn't get to the place in our life where you say, you know what, I think I'm going to love God. That's not the way this happened. He goes on and he says, he says in this is love, not, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute, the, the, the payment for our sin. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Would you agree to that? We ought to love one another. Wait a minute. I think there's a verse that we've been talking about. It says this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have love one toward another. Right? We're going to unleash the church on the world. 
We're going to show God to this world. We're going to show them who Jesus is. You know where it starts? It doesn't start out in the street. It doesn't start with mailers and flyers and lights and, and, and cameras and songs. And you know where it starts? It starts right here in this room as we decide that we're going to love each other unconditionally. We're going to learn how to love each other with the love of Christ. And that love is going to spill out. You follow me? It's going to spill out on the rest of the world. It's going to spill out onto the streets and the mailboxes and the people that you have at work and everything that we're trying to do. It's going to spill out on a Halloween festival. It's just going to spill out because we can't help but show because we're imitators of God and God is love. I'm about to get excited this morning. You know why? Because I want you to get excited. How cool is this? That we have an opportunity to show this world who God really is. Now listen, I pray for our, our brothers and sisters in other churches because I want the same thing for them. And there are other churches that have got this thing figured out. Listen to me. They got it figured out that we're going to love each other the way we're supposed to love each other. We're going to come together and we're going to spill out on this world. And they're winning people to Christ. And you know what? It's just not enough. We need more. We need another one. I want to be that. I don't want to be anything less than that. I don't want to be anything less than that. I want to be that church when no matter who walks in our door, no matter who you see at work, that you know that if they come into this fold, if they come into this place, that they're going to receive unconditional love. I don't care where you've, where you've been. I don't care what's happened to you. You're going to receive unconditional love because God is love. That's the first thing. Let's go back to our passage in Ephesians. Going on there in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 3, he says this. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is, as is proper among saints. I think it's interesting. There's a long list. I can show you all kinds of lists of things that he says in the scriptures about what we're not supposed to do. But here's one where he says, listen, this one is in direct contradiction to love. If you're going to love the way that God loves, here's some things that you can't do, right? You cannot love the way that God loves and be sexually immoral or impure. So you can't love with unconditional love your wife and cheat on her. Does that make sense? Right? These are the kinds of things that he's trying to say is that love gives all. And you're not going to be sharing yourself. I remember standing on a, uh, on a stage and, and, and quoting vows to my, life, uh, to my wife. And, and one of the things that, she, that, 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 that I said to her was is that I, I renounce all others and I keep myself only for her. There's no way that I can truly keep that vow and, and, and share in sexual immorality or impurity. There's no way. The marriage that you have with Christ, you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, would you stay faithful to me in the midst of this love relationship that we have? And I'm going to love you unconditionally. I want you to love me unconditionally as well. Let's just not let anybody else mess that up. Oh, but in the book of James chapter 4, you know what he says to, to the people? He says, you adulterers and adulteresses. Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
So when you hang on to the things of the world, the Lord sits back and he says, wait a minute, I thought we had something pure. I thought we had something that was just for us. And now you're letting the world come into this thing? You're letting other things come into our bed? No, it can't be. He goes on, because I could preach on that all day. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. How many of you guys get that at work? Foolish talk, joking. How many of you guys have ever, have ever said something in sarcasm? I'll be the first one to put my hand up because I'm sarcastic king, right? You've said something in sarcasm that somebody misinterpreted. You were joking, probably really weren't joking, right? Because that's what a joke, a joke, a joke is really a truth trying to be covered, right? And instead of just saying something, you're like me and you give out a little sarcasm and, you know. Did, yeah, exactly, I'm just kidding. No, you're not, right? No, you're not. <laughs> Let me see the hands again. How many, how many of you guys have been misunderstood with sarcasm? Okay. That's what it's talking about here. Right? So we just hit everybody in the room. So, uh, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be careful the things that you say. Uh, you know what? Sometimes truth needs to be said. Sometimes you do need to put that on the table. But you don't need to use sarcasm or, or foolish joking or jesting or, or, or talking to do that. You just need to tell them. Hey, I love you. I'm going to say this because I love you. I'm going to love you afterwards. But here's the truth. Right? I think we could really help each other that way. Cooper? Yeah, you just, just straight up tell them. Right? Well, wait, Cooper, in love. In love, right? And that doesn't mean just smiling when you do it. That means you got to really love, you got to really love the person, right? That's my buddy right there. All right. He and I are so much alike, it's not even funny. Um, Okay, it says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Are you uplifting to people? When people walk away from you, do they feel that love of Christ? Are they uplifted in that love or are they torn down? For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or or who is covetous, that is an an idolater, uh, somebody who worships other idols, that's interesting that covetousness and idolatry go hand in hand, right? What are you really worshiping? Well, that's a whole other sermon. Um, it ha- they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's some tough words right there. Now, here's what I want you to understand. that He's not necessarily saying that if you are sexually immoral that you are going to hell. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is that these are the very reasons why the wrath of God is coming upon this world. This sexual immorality, this impurity, this foolish joking and crude joking and all these kinds of things. This is what, what God said back in Genesis chapter 6. He says, the, the thoughts of a man's heart was only evil continually. He said, listen, that's not what you need to have. And this is the very reason that judgment comes upon the world. Now, praise be to God for Jesus who saves us from our sin, because I got a feeling that if, I held up, if we held up hands for sexual immorality and impurity and impure thoughts, we'd probably all go up again, right? So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's not saying that we're all damned to hell. What he's saying is, is that that's the reason why there is a hell. You follow me? That's the reason why hell exists. 
is because these things are in direct contradiction to the love of God. Because it's all going to boil back down to selfishness. It's all about me. That's where sexual immorality comes from. That's where sexual impurity comes from. This is about me. Right? All right, let's go on to, uh, let's go on to verse, number, uh, verse number eight. He says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. So not only do we need to walk in love, but we need to walk in light. And what does that mean? You know, I, I think that sounds really cute sometimes when we say it, you know, that we're the light of the world. And we, but what, is, what does that really mean? You see, God is light. Not only is God love, but God is light. And we need to walk in that light. Okay? So I want you, you still have your place in 1 John? I hope that you stayed there in 1 John. But go back to 1 John. Find that again. And I'm going to compare these scriptures again. While you're going there, let me keep reading in this passage a little bit. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that, are good, that, that is good and right and true. So here's what 1 John says about God. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5. 1 John chapter 1 Verse number five, it says this. This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. So in 1 John, not only does it tell us that God is love, but it also tells us that God is light. Now, there's some interesting things here. Most people don't like 1 John. Because when you measure yourself up to 1 John, he's kind of like Cooper. He gives you straight, just like it needs to be, right? He's just going to tell it like it is. So here's what he says. And he says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. How much darkness is in God? There is no darkness in God at all. He says, if we say, verse number 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. How can you walk in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in the light of God and in darkness at the same time? It's not possible. For darkness is the absence of light. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the force, right? You, it, it's one or the other. Listen, here, here's, here's what I want you. I'm just glad he's getting it. I'm, I'm loving it. He says this. He says, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse number seven, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walk in the light. We're to, we're to walk in the love of God, but we're also to walk in the light. Let me tell you what that light is according to 2 Corinthians chapter four. It's the light of the knowledge of God. When the knowledge of God comes into your life, which comes through the word of God, you are enlightened, right? Somebody who's in the dark, they don't know. You following me? Darkness is an unknown. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Light, when you come into the light, means that you comprehend, you understand, you've grabbed hold, right? Now you've got the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, here's the thing about God. Once you are enlightened, you can't be unenlightened, once you know about God, you're, you're then accountable to it. The light switch has now been turned on. So if you've come to Christ, you are enlightened. He says, listen, in that light, walk as children of light. Walk in the knowledge that you know. Now, one of my fears is that we don't know enough. In all honesty, 
that we've been enlightened with just a few things, that our light shines to us, that Jesus is our Savior and that he's died on the cross for our sins. But listen, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ even goes farther than that. We have to know what this light is all about. Go back with me to to our passage in, in Ephesians. Because this is what he says as he goes on. Now look at verse number 10. He says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Have you guys done that? In the light of your salvation, understanding who God is and what Christ has done, have you sat back and said, man, what is really pleasing to the Lord? Do you realize that I get up in the morning asking that question? I go to bed at night asking that question. What is pleasing to the Lord? I think you should do the same. It's a hard question to answer sometimes. In certain situations, what's pleasing to the Lord? But that should be the determination and the, and the factor that you use to make the decisions in your life. Verse number 11, he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, now, here's what that would mean. There's some people that you work with on a daily basis, they don't have a clue, man. They're getting involved in all kinds of things. You know why? Because they don't have a clue. They're walking in darkness. We would expect the darkness to, 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 to be fumbling around. And, and, but listen, when the light comes on, you know better. And as you know better, you should function better. As a matter of fact, you should be having people say, how come you're not stumbling around? You say, well, because I got the light on. Right? I don't know what it is about Kim, but she likes to be in the dark when it comes to the house. I walk into a room, the light's off. I sit down to eat dinner, the light's off. I'm like, turn the light on. I don't understand. I got to see my food, right? I'm getting to the, I'm getting to the age where if I don't have light, I, I, I can't see, you, you know? So I'm like, let's flick the light on. And all of a sudden, you flick the light on, you can see the stairs. You don't have, you know, you don't have to fall. It's amazing. That, that would be an example of the sarcasm that I was talking about earlier, right? Okay, look. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darknesses, but instead expose them. Expose them with the light. He says, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. What happens in secret? Well, there's a lot of darkness in this world. A lot of crazy things that are going on. And you know what, you know this thing that's sad to me? is that we're starting to applaud those things. You watch any ABC, any sitcom, any show that they have. Let me tell you what they're, trying, what they're trying to get you to do. They want you to applaud the things that go on in the dark. Check me out and see. When we need to expose them. Now, we don't expose them because we're mad. We expose them because it's darkness. We just expose them because when you flick the light on, it's so much better. You can see. You can understand. You can know what's happening. Why would we choose to walk in darkness when we've been enlightened with the light of God? Verse 13 says, but when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Listen, maybe you're in the dark today. Maybe you've never experienced the love of the Lord. Maybe you've never experienced the light of the Lord. Today's your day, man. 
Today you need to come to Christ. Today's the day that you need to walk out of the darkness, come into his marvelous light, and see that there's a whole other life, there's a whole other reason for living. I'm telling you, I, I am testimony. It is the best thing, that, the best decision that you would, ever, you would ever do. I'm not saying that all the problems are gone, but I, I'll tell you what, problems are a whole lot easier in the light. You ever try to work on something in the dark? Flick the light on. I'm telling you, it's easier, right? The problems of your life, if you'll shine the light, the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus Christ on your problems, I'll guarantee you a solution will present itself through the Word of God. It's amazing, right? So I want to share um, in this walking, he goes on in verse number 15, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. So when you have the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have the, the knowledge of God, the, the, the light of God in your life, man, you can really start to, to move from that place of being unwise to that place of wisdom. You see, this is where I really struggle as a pastor because, you know, as we sit down and we counsel and we talk about uh, walking, and, and, and are you actually walking that walk? Are you actually taking those steps and moving in that direction? Why? Because we've shined light on the problem, and now we need to make the changes that are necessary. Walk the walk. Walk in wisdom. I can't stand seeing a Christian walk in unwisdom and being unwise. That doesn't affect the world. That doesn't help the world. We need to be wise. You say, well, how do I be wise? Because God has put light in your heart and love in your heart. And those two things can cause you to walk in wisdom. Let me give you a little bit of wisdom this morning. One of the things that we read already is that we need to know what, try, we, we need to understand what pleases God, right? We need to try to figure that out. What pleases God? What, what is the thing that, that really pleases him? He goes on here and he says, making the best use of time. When you walk in wisdom, you're going to make the best use of time. Listen, sometimes you need downtime. Sometimes that's the best use of your time is for you to rest your body, to rest your mind so that you can function properly and go. Because if you go too hard, too long, too fast, then you're not going to be good for anything, right? So sometimes the best use of your time is to relax. But if you relax too much, then you get sluggish and you get fat and you get all these kinds of things that we don't want to get, right? And so you, you got to have a balance and make best use of your time with the things that you know. Listen, let me tell you one of the things that we know. He says this, because the days are evil, right there, right? He says the days are evil. I want to take you over one more place as we talk about walking in wisdom. And it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. And I've got this on the screen. You guys don't have to turn there. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, it says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. You want to know what the will of God is? You, know what, you, you want to know what brings him pleasure? Is when the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, and the light of Jesus Christ brings a soul to repentance. Do you know what reliance is all about? We're going to fall in love with Jesus. We're going to get into the light of his word and we're going to bring people to God. And introduce them into this love and into this light. And God will be pleased. God will be pleased. 
I'd like to have all of you just bow your heads for a moment. Bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to focus on the person around you. I'm not trying to manipulate at this moment, manipulate you at this moment. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just give you a moment to think about your life. Are you loving with the love of Christ? Do you even know the love of Christ in your life? Listen, if you've not received God's love, maybe it's because it's never been presented to you. Maybe because you don't know. But I'm telling you, today's your day. God wants you to be saved from your sin today. He's already paid the the penalty on the cross. he's, He's already done everything necessary for you to enter into that love relationship with Him. You have to choose. When I came to my wife, I didn't say to her, you will now be my wife. It didn't work like that. I courted her. I took her out on dates. We talked on the phone. We had a long distance relationship. And then there was a time that I got down on my knee and I asked her, will you marry me? Not that you have to marry me. And listen, God says the thing, same thing. You don't have to enter into his love. You don't have to have that relationship with him. He's not going to force you to do that. But I'm telling you, this morning he's down on one knee. He's asking you with everything in him, already doing the sacrifice for you. He's already purchased that beautiful ring, that, that precious ring of righteousness. And he's saying to you, will you marry me? Will you, will you fall in love with me and be with me for all of eternity? But you have to receive it. You have to receive it. He says, when you receive it, I'm going to light you up. I'm going to give you light, knowledge, understanding, wisdom. You will not walk through this world the same. Your mind will be different. Your actions will be different. Because you're now walking in wisdom instead of foolishness. God wants that relationship with you today.